Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. A UAE resident who is in hospital battling coronavirus has highlighted the gravity of contracting it. The 42-year-old father of three, Shane Manning, has described being totally floored by the virus despite being fit and healthy. His wife, Suman, has also tested positive for COVID-19 but is not showing any symptoms. Shane is now urging others to take this disease and social distancing very seriously. And Shane joins me now on the line. Shane, mate, first of all, how are you doing? I'm doing good, thanks, Sally. I'm, uh, I'm on the moon. Um, gotten through the thick of it, that's for sure. You know, went through the machine and come out the other side. You know, what you've been through, Shane, is absolutely incredible. You posted a video a few days ago when you just kind of like, you you just gotten over the worst of it and it is just horrendous what it has done to you. You're a fit, young, healthy dad. Now, did you yeah. think that this would happen to you? No, I, I think I was a little bit too too stupid and too ignorant to the fact that I, I can't really imagine anybody thinks it's going to happen to them, but... Um, it was just one of those things that even when it, it first sort of kicked in, yeah, I was sort of hesitant to think, oh, okay, this is coronavirus. It was more, I thought, look, okay, I feel a bit, feel a bit average, but I hadn't, I hadn't had any known contact with anybody nor travelled to any of the listed countries. So it was like, okay, well, it, you know, I'm not feeling so well. Let's see what it is and just get on with it. And initially was told, we, they didn't do the COVID test on me. Um, so it was, look, you don't have any other viral infections. You, I wasn't showing signs for flu or anything, anything like that, like this influenza A and B that's going around. So the doctor said, look, just get some rest, keep your hydration levels up, um, take vitamin C and take paracetamol. So off I went. Because you thought it was just the flu at first. When did you well, start not to... Even a flu. Yeah. They... They weren't even certain. Because it was Sunday afternoon, we'd been out at Hatter um, with the kids, and I'd sort of crashed my mountain bike, quite embarrassingly. And This uh, was about two weeks ago, I, I think? Two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, two weeks ago yesterday. And I thought, you know, that was just a bit of a, the, the shock and the knock from coming off the bike maybe just gave my body a bit of a, a, a kickstart and said, hey, you know, you're not that young anymore. Um, cut this out and sort of sent me in a bit of a fever and just feeling a bit average and feeling a bit like like you're just getting a cold or a flu. Um, and that was the Sunday. And then by the Monday, I, <clears throat> excuse me, by the Monday, yeah, it, it sort of started taking hold. I thought, okay, this is a bit more than a knock from the bike. So I was bed bound for 30, 30 odd hours, 36 hours maybe from the, the Sunday night. Tell us about how it developed. So the next few days was pretty rough, but it was fever, body ache, headache, and starting to sort of uh, lose my appetite and a bit of diarrhea, not too bad, but there was no cough, no chest, no restrictions on my breathing. So that was realistically, I'd, I'd read an article or something that said it's like, it goes in like three, 
uh, three phases or three stages. Mm. So the first one is that very basic cold-like symptoms. Then the next one comes on like a flu where, you know, you just got the body ache and stuff like that. I didn't have any runny nose, I didn't have a cough, and I didn't have a sore throat. But I did have a massive amount of fever, um, massive amounts of body ache and headache all the time. And that's where the next few days I was just basically laid out at home in bed. I even got the test done, but not the COVID-19 test, and told to look, get some rest, get some, uh, maintain the hydration levels in my body and uh, take paracetamol to help with fever and hopefully you'll be through in a few days. And then it's sort of, we, we come towards the weekend where I'd started to feel a little bit better. I'd loaded myself up on the paracetamol and um, we stupidly went camping. You know, this is before the, the, the forced forced lockdown was, was implemented and in place. So, you know, we're still free to travel and I'd been given the all clear from the doctor. So I was like, you know what, look, if the doctor tells you, you don't, you're not sick, you don't have this, I'm not going to argue and say, hey, I'm Shane the Wonderful and I know everything. Um, no, you must test me. It was like, okay, look, you know, let's carry on. The kids have been locked in the house the whole time. So um, off we went. Stay with me on the line, Shane. Coming up, we are going to be continuing the conversation, finding out exactly what coronavirus felt like for Shane at its worst. That's next. Pulse 95. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. Welcome back to Life Beats, and I'm speaking to Shane Manning. He's a UAE resident who has contracted coronavirus along with his wife. He's telling me all about his experience. I been out camping on the Thursday night, and Friday we, we packed up early because of the big storm that was forecast, the one that sort of went a bit crazy last week. But we got back, and um, it was... Yeah, about nine o'clock, I'd had a shower and climbed into bed, and that's when sort of that phase three really kicked into gear. The coughing had started. The fever was well above uh, 39 and a half consistently now. Um, and that's when things really started going south. And I mean, I, I was really getting dragged into the dark hole of this thing. It just... Um, it was just pulling me further and further in and, you know, just annihilating me. So I had another 30 hours in bed, I guess, give or take. And by this stage, um, very, very, probably no appetite. I think that was the, the Saturday afternoon. She took me to the um, the clinic. And this is when we, we found out we had contact with somebody. And... They'd done the test for us there, and then they also forced Sue to do the test because she was with me, even though she was asymptomatic. And it still is, you know, not a single symptom over the last two, three weeks, nothing at all. So we got sent home after a few hours of doing all the tests, the COVID tests, the influenza tests, again, stuff like that. And it was the next afternoon we we got the call from, um, I think, the preventative medicine department within the government, and this gentleman said, look, okay, you're tested positive. It's not looking good. We will try and find you a hospital bed. And with that, it was like, okay, look, you know, what do we do now? He said, stay at home, stay in bed, isolate, just do everything you can to stay hydrated and healthy. And mom, 
paracetamol, look after your fever. So that was uh, that was the Sunday. The Monday was just complete. Um, I mean, I was free falling by this stage, just totally, totally free falling. And then the I think it was the Tuesday. I've, to be honest, I sort of lost track of dates. It all it all just blurred into one um, big long stint in bed. And yeah, so it was the Saturday we went back to the clinic. Sunday. We got the results the Monday to Tuesday. So yeah, the Tuesday they brought me to hospital here at um, what's it called, Parkview Mediclinic Place, just on the King Street here. And a big shout out to these guys as well. And uh, I must say how amazing they've been. Got admitted into here in a in a sorry state, just a, a shaking mess, to be honest. And um, what does it feel like? What does it feel like, Shane, in the worst of it? Just describe to us what you've been through. Because when you you've got the meds in, when they've administered all the um, the antivirals and the antibiotics, because I've got pneumonia as well, and the paracetamol, you you know, you say, okay, look, it's um, whatever time. I've got about thirty minutes now, and then I'm going to start the sweats, and these sweats are going to come on for a good hour as this paracetamol tries to fight the fever, and your body is just going absolutely crazy, and it's. It's not nice, but it's not too bad. And then you got about three hours of you're relatively comfortable. Uh, my breathing was under control, which was um, <clears throat> which was a good thing. You know, I wasn't just coughing and struggling to breathe and struggling to get air in. But then it, it you started going back down again, and it was it, all I can the only way I can liken it. It was like a big dark black hole, and something just dragging you down in. And you, I hated the nights. Come come sort of three in the morning and I'd know that the paracetamol was starting to wear off. I'd had three blankets here, I'd had socks on, I'd had clothes on. And I would lay in this, you know, here's this this solid, stocky, 100-kilo guy curled up in a ball like a, you know, like a child crying. I was just, just frozen and I couldn't breathe and I was coughing and everything just went black. It, it just drags you into this hole and it absolutely holds you down and it beats you with everything it's got. And it, it, you can't explain it. It was brutal. Absolutely, for four days, it, it just did this to me and, you know, I wasn't eating. I finally managed to, to get, like, three or four pieces of fruit down my neck um, and then sort of laying there I just felt like white bread and jam, and the first day I managed to eat half a slice of bread with jam on it, and it was like, okay, this is a good start. I'm finally starting to eat. And then that evening I ate a full slice of bread and jam and a whole small, like, takeaway plastic container of fruit salad, which was the most I'd eaten by this stage in probably six days. It just gets hold of everything you've got, every ounce of fight in your body, every ounce of health in your body and it's just taking it from you and then you know the medicines come back in and you, you start to feel that little bit better for a few hours and you know I'd sort of get up I'd look out the window I've got a beautiful view over, over some of the sands here and some oryx and stuff like that so that sort of let me come back to normality a little bit if that makes any sense yeah yeah and this is the thing you've you know there's a lot that you've said there okay so first of all you're somebody who does triathlons Again, we've said that you are super healthy. 
but it, it just has absolutely taken you down. And on the other side is Suman, who's also got it, but she's still yep. asymptomatic. Like to this day, yep. right now, she has it's zero crazy. symptoms. So what, what did that? What did you learn from that then? Well, I think that the crazy thing is it doesn't discriminate. That's for sure. Um, and I think in some ways, statistically, it's quite. We're lucky globally that it's. It, it doesn't seem to get hold of children and youth so badly. Of course, it does. Um, there, there, from what I understand, there are cases. But the problem is, is the older people, those with sort of. They don't have age on their side and they're not so healthy anymore. Or those that have smoked and things like that, it, it really grabs hold of them. So. Stay with me, Shane. We are going to come back and talk about uh, how you're doing now. What is the latest news that's to come here on Life Beats on Pulse 95? You're listening to Pulse 95. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. We're back with the home edition of Life Beats. I'm speaking to Shane Manning, who, along with his wife, contracted COVID-19. But Shane, it is a very different story for your wife, Suman, isn't it? But yeah, you look, you look at my wife, she's healthy as the day is long. So it's like a silent, silent beast because she's got it. And luckily, knowingly, she's got it that she's been on um, self-quarantine and locked away in the bedroom. But you've got to think there's all these other people that don't know they've got it and accidentally passing it on to a family member because they're, they're all locked down together thinking they're all safe and healthy. Mm. And it's next thing you know, you've got an elderly parent or an elderly relative or a colleague who's in ICU in hospital, totally wiped out. Right. So I guess in, in some ways it's, um, it, it's kind of lucky that it got me and, and not somebody else who couldn't fight that battle. And, you know, like that, as you said, you'd seen the Facebook post that I'd done and that was purely just for some friends and family abroad, just to say, guys, look, because in Australia, they, they just don't seem to be um, embracing it for what it is. You know, you don't really want to embrace something so nasty, but it's like, guys, this thing is very, very real, and it's it's going to turn Australia on its head like it's done in the States, like it's doing the UK. You know, you look at here and places like Spain and Italy, that it just totally turned on its head. Mm. And that's why I made the video, and, you know, I thought of maybe, you know, 100 hundred friends and relatives who'd see it, 150 maximum. And I've seen this morning, it's at like 27,000 views. It so. has gone completely vi- viral. But I want to ask yeah. you, you know, in this time, I know that you, you're being taken care of, you're getting the medication that you need uh, right now, and you have turned a corner, which is amazing news. Do you know where you're at in terms of, you know, where this disease is we at with do. you? We yeah. do. Um, I got the good news this morning that I just returned my first set of um, swabs and blood tests that show I am negative, which as uh, protocol goes, I have to do three consecutive um, tests uh, separated by 24 hours before they'll release me. So that then they said is indicative that I'm completely clear and um, virus free. That is amazing news. That is it's huge. really good news. And there's, um, I, I don't really understand it. It's one of these medical acronyms that you get given. It's called CRP, I believe. Mm. And it's, uh, 
it's an indicator of the inflammation levels in your body. Uh, again, you know, I hope I'm, I'm regurgitating this right, but the doctor had said, you know, normally you should you shouldn't be much above five for inflammation levels in your body. And I was at 120 on my CRP count at the height of it. Hang on, hang on. You shouldn't be above five and you were 120. Yeah. Um, The doctor in here, Dr. Samara, she said I was sort of confusing them a little bit because, you know, here's this guy, yep, relatively fit and healthy, but the symptoms I was showing, you know, this, she said, alone should have tipped me over and put me into ICU and intubated and whatever else. And then she said with the aggressive nature of the coronavirus, how badly it attacked my lungs, along with full-blown pneumonia. She, she said to me, look, once you're completely healed, I want to show you your CT scan results of your lungs to show you how completely overrun your lungs were. And she said, this is the next part of what we couldn't understand is that you were still, still coherent, still functioning, still maintaining some sort of um, normality in life over those few days, yet your lungs should have collapsed. You had this through-the-roof level of your CRP count, plus the O2 saturation levels uh, in my body were, were super low, like, you know, worryingly low, so I wasn't even getting enough oxygen in my blood. So my lungs were, were effectively failing. My body should have been failing and giving up, but I guess maybe I was a little bit fitter and healthier than, than I thought I was. The, the meds, she said, for a few days just weren't showing any signs of, um, of, of reacting the way they hoped. She said they had four days of just constant results of worry more than anything else. It was, look, your body's just not reacting. We're, we're really struggling here and we're throwing everything we can at you. And then it was the fourth night into the fifth morning. I woke up in a, uh, the bed was more flooded than normal. Um, just, uh, and I'd mentioned it in one of the videos, it, there was this putrid stench of, I think, you know, just my body just trying to fight this, this nasty thing. And I woke up and I had to call them just to come and change the bed. I mean, I was sleeping under three blankets. Everything was flooded, just totally, totally soaked. And from then, throughout that day, I started to feel better. My temperature had finally dropped below 39 and a half. And it stayed down now, so I'm not showing a temperature. Um, throughout the last sort of 10 days as well, my heart rate has been, you know, well above 70, 72, 74, which I guess for a lot of people with a normal heart rate, that's that's quite normal, but I've always had a very low sitting heart rate of around 42, Mm. Um, and, you know, they were coming in, I'm like, look, my heart rate's really high, this is 30 beats higher than normal, and today, the nurse has come in today to take my vitals, and, you know, they they take my blood pressure and things like that every few hours, and finally, my, my heart rate's back down to about 44, 46, and the machine starts beeping, alarms going off, they're like, oh, this isn't good. You know, it's it's incredible to hear you talk about this. It's it's unbelievable what you've been through. But what's kept you strong? What's kept you 
kind of being positive and keeping strong to get through this? I guess family and friends more than anything to begin with. Uh, oh, I, I don't, I don't ever think I let it get into my head. Now I, I sort of I haven't really thought much about it in retrospect, but it was okay. I was at a pretty bad level, but never once did I feel like my body was shutting down. Mm. And maybe there, there's just something in there that was a bit more fighting me than than we can explain. But in that sense, I I don't know. It sounds very dramatic or even over dramatic, but. It never felt like I was at the edge. I was knocking on that, that proverbial death's door. Um, I think medically and statistically, the doctor's going to tell you something different. But then, you know, when I, when I, I did make it public, when we, we sort of, I'd messaged a few friends in one or two WhatsApp groups we were on and the support I was getting from, from all, all our close friends around town was, was amazing. And then when we put it on Facebook, um, it went crazy, you know. I've, I've spent each day quite a few hours just trying to make the time and effort to reply back to everybody, just saying, look, thanks for the, you know, the well wishes and the thoughts and the positive vibes. You know, it's definitely well felt. There's, there's been a thousand messages on, on that Facebook post, which I'm yet to get back to. I'm, I'm more just replying back to all the WhatsApp messages and the, the private Facebook messages and stuff like that. So... But at the end of the day, you know, I've got a beautiful wife and three beautiful kids to get home to. So, it's, um, you know, that's, that's, that's a fight. That's a fight worth having in itself. That's incredible. Well done to you. But, like, as we mentioned, you know, the UAE has now got into lockdown thanks to the leadership of this country who have recognised how important that is. You and I, we're from Australia. They still are not in that place yet where... People are taking it seriously. People are still going to the beach. They're going out. Yep. What is your message to everyone out there listening now? This thing's very real. You know, don't, don't underestimate it. It's, you know, it's worrying that Australia still isn't taking it so serious. It, it, it hurts me to see. I think they're in for a massive, uh, I, I hate to say the word and to use such negativity, but they're in for a massive crash in Australia. You know, they're, they're, I don't think the health system will be able to keep up once it once it gets into into top gear and it takes full effect. You know, you look at, they're, they're setting up medical field hospitals around the world now. Um, I think the message to everybody is just stay at home, self-isolate, stay healthy. Enjoy the downtime, you know. It's, we all live these lives now where we're just so ridiculously busy all the time. And I think that's another one that's gotten me through this being in here. I'll um, probably get in trouble off my wife for this, but I've enjoyed the solitude. Yeah. I think she's going to she's gonna, she's gonna walk me a new one because of that. But, you know, I, I run two, I've got two businesses. Um, you know, six days a week I'm usually up up and out the door by 5.30 to go training with the guys I train with. And the triathlon, so swimming, running, biking, when I'm in the gym or things like that. And then with work, I travel a lot as well. And, you know, I'm not very lucky that I've also got the flexibility to travel when I can to, you know, see friends or whatever it is. So this forced downtime has actually been a massive, massive blessing in disguise as well. So <clears throat> it's, um, enjoy the time, just, 
sit back and learn a language, you know, learn that computer program or a video editing app or just spend time with your kids, spend time with your loved ones and enjoy it. Take the most of downtime that we're not going to get back because once things recover, we're all going to be complaining again that it's too busy, it's too chaotic, we're working too much. So just embrace it and appreciate the fact that this thing is real and it's very, very, very destructive. Well, you know what, Shane, um, I'm just glad that you're on the mend now. We are going to be speaking to your lovely wife, Suman, as well here on the show and getting her perspective on things. But I just want to thank you so much for taking the time and helping us really to get it, to understand how serious this thing is and how this could really just hit anyone. You know, I, I think it needs to be because we keep focusing on the elderly, those with underlying conditions. You are none of those types of people. Exactly. And this is what exactly. it's done to you. But I'm just so glad yeah. that you're on the up. Yeah, well, thanks so very much for um, letting me have a voice and I hope, it, um, I hope it helps one or two others. Absolutely. This is what we're all hoping for. So stay home and stay safe. Shane Manning, thanks, thank sir. you so much. Thanks so much for the time. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. Welcome back to the home edition of Life Beats. And we've just heard from Shane Manning and his incredible ordeal with contracting COVID 19. And now, live on the line, I've got Suman Manning, his wife. Suman, hello and welcome. Good morning. How are you, Sally? I'm well Thank now. You. It's it's great to have you and Shane sharing your story, and I think there's so much that all of us can learn from. It's very important to kind of state again that Shane has just been through a horrendous time with this virus, and yet here you are as well, having tested positive for COVID nineteen, but you're still asymptomatic, meaning you're not showing any symptoms? No, um, I, I'm not. Uh, I think the only one that um, I could say that I have or I'm experiencing is that I don't really have a sense of smell at the moment. And that seems to be one of the symptoms um, of this virus. But it's, um, it's, you know, the others like body ache and fever and a cough. Um, diarrhea, all of that, I, I don't have, I haven't at all had. Tell us about how this has all felt for you, Saman, as Shane has been going through this, as he went into, obviously, hospital, yourself isolating yourself because you have to as well. Uh, you're away from your beautiful three children. Talk to us about the experience from your perspective so far. Um, it has been quite surreal, I would say. It's been, um, you know, a bit of a whirlwind that I felt like I've just been caught up in and going through the motions and just kind of <clears throat> taking each day as it comes because there's no way I could, there's, there's no um, plan or a 
strategy or a, you know anything in place for me that I could say that I'm leaning on. Um, I have to say that since uh, we went to the hospital first to get checked, I was with Shane as a carer taking drove there, and um, you know not having the symptoms meant that. I wasn't taken seriously in the sense of being tested for, um, and I understand that there are many other people like me now who would be worried and it was really, you know, it's a time of great anxiety because you don't know enough, but at the same time we're reading so much about it and we're trying to absorb all of this news, but at the same time I think at the end of it we feel like we're still nowhere near knowing enough. You know, you feel that sense of loss, you feel that sense of loss of control. Um, there's so much information about it, but at the same time, we're still nowhere nearing knowing enough because every time you hear something, it is different. It is, it is, um, it feels almost like there is no pattern, but there is a pattern, if that makes sense. Yes, yes, absolutely. So for me, it, it was, um, uh, you know, the last few days have been almost like I'm a voice for Shane uh, where people are leaving him alone, but I'm messaging him and I'm really, really worried. I can, you know, last few days we've been completely overwhelmed with everyone's concern, uh, but also smothered with kindness and love. And there have been people who have reached out to me in all manners of, of um or ways to reach us, you know, on, on through our phones, through uh, all our social media channels, um, and and people who've really taken the time to call as well. And I know everybody feels helpless, and everybody feels really far away from us, and they want to show their support. So the last few days for me have really been just fueled by calls and messages and reassuring people that we're okay. I think people really just. You know, we're reaching out to say, you know, how are you today and how is it going? And But me not having any of the symptoms, it's really hard for me to to treat myself as a patient. Yeah. I'm just trying to get my head around it being my, a mom and a daughter and a wife and a, and a friend and a sister all at the same time as well, but I'm, I'm just confined to the four walls. So you have to be a bit more creative in how you're you're able to connect with the outside world. You know, suddenly you realize all the different ways that and they are. Um, yeah, you know, how are you doing it? How are you doing it in terms of, because you have three kids, you and Shane, have three gorgeous uh, triplets. They're 10 years old. They're almost 10 themselves. Yes. Is that yeah, the hardest part? Yeah, is that the hardest part, not being with them? What have you told them about what's going on so far? Well, um, being almost 10 means that they're not babies, they're not toddlers, and that you know, they, we can't or we can continue without them noticing that something's wrong. So I've got to be very, very careful of what we're telling them. So we've not lied to them. They've seen that Shane is been unwell, he'd had a very high fever, a terrible cough. Um, they were there when, you know, he walked into the ambulance and um, they were there when uh, <clears throat> all of this was going down. It was also the first morning of, of their distance learning that we found out the news. So it was 
in a way a good thing because they were very distracted and they had to go and they had tasks to complete and they weren't in limbo but at the same time um i was not available to them i was not available to them emotionally or physically um and that was a little bit of a challenge where you know they know they but they also were astute enough and i think old enough to know to leave me alone um knowing that i was worried about Shane they knew I was on the phone to him or to my family reassuring people but what they don't know yet is that the two of us are tested positive for covid-19 so we didn't want to I didn't want to tell them this until he got home and we were able to talk about it together because I'm not there for them emotionally right now and I didn't want to drop a bomb and then go back to my room Does that makes sense yes Absolutely. I'm really aware that when they have questions I am there to answer them and I don't want them, you know, on their iPads while working to google anything that would worry them and the stress of it. I know that it seems like a very very um horrendous disease which it is a really ruthless and and virus but I want them to also know that you know they're safe. Uh, till we had all the answers. This is one of the, the the trickiest parts, really, isn't it? How do we talk to our children about it? Those of us who don't, who are not even going through it, but are also trying to kind of, you know, help our children to understand that this is a serious thing that everybody has to take seriously and stay indoors and and stay clean, wash your hands, all the rest of it. but at the same time we don't want to scare them. I love what you said Suman about you know we we try to be in control all the time and sometimes you know you you have to arm yourself with the knowledge and then and 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 that's all that you can do because you have to take care of your mental health. Is that how you feel about it? Absolutely. I think mental health is has been in the limelight in the last and has been highlighted in the last um few months quite actively by the media and we can see how now more than ever how much mental health is going to play a role in how we all get through this and i think it's not just also about you know um treating this as a short term situation we it's not just about getting through it i think we really need to arm ourselves to how we're going to cope and live like this because it's an uncertain times you know everything is changing and all the things that we know to be routine and normal and take for took for granted as part of our daily lives is now no longer the case so um i just think if we treat this as a as a situation and a and a and a time of of um uncertainty yet you know we are able to cope and arm ourselves with all the 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 small um things that we can control i think you know in terms of anxiety we need to face our emotions with courage we need to watch our language and we need to help um understand how we can change and shift the mood so instead of being you know saying that I'm in lockdown or I'm you know in quarantine I think if we were to look at ourselves and and treat it as saying you know I'm uh, I'm I'm staying safe I'm you know I'm not 
the way you you portray to yourself as well. I think mental health is so so important, and also how we are going to be looking at our physical self. So you know, boosting our immunity, and we're telling ourselves that you know, I'm when you say I'm not going to get the virus, you you're, you're making statements that. You know, you don't want to hear yourself or tell others either. But if you're going to say, "I'm going to boost my immunity," I want to look after myself better. You're going to have a better chance of getting through the day. Exactly, one hundred percent. And and we can't ignore the facts. We can't ignore the fact that we, you know, need to stay safe. We need to distance. We need to do that. Um, Shane was very honest about not taking social distancing seriously tell me about what you've learned from this experience Saman um I just think that you know we we have to trust the government here we, we have to trust the measures that are being put into place and not question them for the sake of questioning them all the time and challenging things and wait and demanding more evidence before you know we take action and I think what we've all learned from this is that um we all took it lightly. Uh, we all treated it as, um, you know, a type of flu, um, a version of the flu that the media was just hyping up. And I think it's um, there's a catch-22 there because the media in the past has hyped things up so much. Uh, we all take everything with a great, you know, big bag of salt now and we all try to downplay it. Mm. And I think uh, we need to, we need help everybody by being you know we're part of it so when they do the whole hashtag in this together we are in this together and so when the government um and the health authorities are are you know taking all these preventative measures i think we all really need to play ball together now because indeed we are in this together you know we didn't take social distancing seriously because at the time, 17 days ago, um, or even two weeks ago, yes, we knew that we weren't supposed to go into big groups, but it was not about, you know, to this degree of of social distancing and isolating ourselves and staying at home. And I think the more um, other countries are now facing these challenges, I think we really have to look beyond and really learn from that and, and just stay put. It's so vital right now, isn't it? It's just incredible. Not only are we in this together that we do have to, I know we started out by calling it social distancing, but actually now I think everybody's trying to change the name of it to physical distancing because socially I feel like we're coming together more. Tell me about the kind of support that you have seen from people, uh, those who are near and those who are far in this time. Oh, um, it's been uh, an incredible amount of support that uh, we have felt and we've been covered by. Um, we've, because of Shane's first video going viral, which, you know, um, it, which it did, it got shared by hundreds of people. I think thousands of people watched it. Um, it really hit home to a lot of people who didn't, 
who at that till at that point had not met anyone who was suffering from this or who had contracted this. So it was always something that you read about in the news. It was in China. It was in the Far East. It was in Italy. And I don't think even we at this point knew anyone who'd gone through it. So it was really hard for people to, um, I think, relate personally. But once Shane's video went viral, um, the word got out there, I was inundated with people reaching out. And it was amazing, the sense of community and how people dropped everything to, to check in on us. It was also great because I was able to, you know, wind down and have some real conversations uh, and catch up with friends on Zoom, uh, for people to actually see me and, and see the difference between Shane and me. And we were both positive and he was had a physical, physical fight on his hands where he was struggling to breathe and he had a high fever and he looked like he'd been hit by a bus. And there I was um, and they were able to be reassured because they were able to see me again, um, being able to smile and look fine in myself. Um, and I think that those connections have been amazing because even though I'm sitting in a room, I feel like I have the resources to connect, uh, to have Joe Wicks in the room with me, uh, for me to be able to do some stretches, to do some exercise, um, to you know not feel completely disconnected. I think that's the fear that most people have, is where that we're distancing ourselves, we're isolating ourselves. And I yes. think that we shouldn't focus on those words of isolation. We should really be, you know, a realist, a realistic optimist, where you're, you're saying, no, I will be socially connected to people, and really use this time to connect. Oh, it's so vital. I love what you just said, Suman. And from us to you and Shane, and to your beautiful children, we send you so much love. We're here for Thank you, you as well. I really 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 appreciate it i really appreciate it and i think it's also important to socially connect positively um and not, not socially connect negatively so you know take that time now to by the end of the day to recap and think of all the good things that have happened or all the positive things in your life and all the things that you can be grateful for and really go back to being almost childlike and counting your blessings and i really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us thank you so much suman there is so much for us to take away from shane's words from your words we are so glad he's finally coming out of it and yes. we're just yes. sending you all of the best to you and your family thank you so much thanks ali stay safe stay healthy Coming up in the next hour here on Life Beats, we have an interview with Dr. Hendel Howard, the Head of Health Promotion and Education at Dubai Health Authority. She's going to be answering our questions on COVID-19 and giving us all of the latest. Plus, how should corporate leaders be acting in a crisis? As well as that, believe it or not, today is the 21st anniversary of the launch of the Matrix. Why is it more relevant today than it has ever been? Why and will be telling us that. Plus, have you seen this? This has gone completely viral. Prince EA's new video, Why the F Virus 
is the one we should really be afraid of catching. All of that and more is to come here on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10am.